at 1 Kings chapter 13. So if you take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter number 13, message entitled, A Dangerous Detour. Talking about total obedience and serving the Lord with everything, all in. 1 Kings chapter 13, let's look at one verse right now and we'll stop. But then we're, we're actually going to be reading the entire chapter. It's not that long of a chapter and we want to fill in the blanks. And the best way to do that is just read the story. It's just a fascinating story. And we will be taking the time to read through the entire chapter. But right now let's look at verse number 9. 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 9. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. Instructions given to a young man of God. He had a job to do as he went to uh, obey and follow the Lord's biddings to a wayward king. And so uh, let's stop right here, ask the Lord's blessings, and we'll get into the message. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you'd help us this morning to comprehend it, first of all, to grasp what was in the story, what had taken place, but then also, Lord, to uh, read between the lines and see the, 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 uh, uh, the drama that was involved in the obedience or disobedience of what we've uh, what we'll go over, and Lord, I pray that you help us to to know how to uh, properly and wisely apply that to where we live today. Lord, I pray that you help us to be careful about the dangerous detours that we could take that that are devastating. So, Lord, I pray that you just help us this morning. Give us proper instruction and warning and guidance. We need that. We need you this morning. We ask for your help and for your your blessing. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we continued with David's reign that passed from Solomon to Rehoboam, his son, and then to Jeroboam's divided kingdom. You remember Rehoboam had charge of things, and Jeroboam came up and said, okay, now I want power, and I want." he didn't care for the nation. He didn't care for you know, leading it into idolatry and, and destruction. It, that didn't matter to him. He just wanted one thing, that was power. And so he divided the kingdom. We saw the catastrophe of Jeroboam's failures wrapped around simple conveniences offered to God's people. This is what he said. It's too hard for you, folks. It's too inconvenient for you to sacrifice as much that God requires from you. Let's make it easier. Instead of uh, traveling all the way to, to Jerusalem, let's put some altars in different places where it would be convenient in your local areas. You don't have to go that far. And, and what he did was because of he, he used the tool of convenience to have the nation to uh, uh, decline into sin. And the Bible, uh, throughout the Bible, it says of Jeroboam, uh, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. That's his title. That's the, the title that, that we read over and over. I think it was 13 verses that identifies Jeroboam, the man who made Israel to sin because of this let's make it easier um, philosophy. What a disaster that turned out to be. We applied things to our current day in religious failures where saints today are offered simple conveniences like they were first and foremost consumers instead of children of God called upon to sacrifice and love for their Redeemer. And we said, don't buy it. Don't go that direction. Be aware of that. And uh, the title of the message last week was the... Uh, uh, 
something of convenience. I can't remember the, the cautions of convenience or something like that. Anyway, don't go that way. Don't go that route. That's what we learned last week in chapter 12. Now, as we stroll through the narrative, we find another place where a dangerous detour is given and the intense cost that it turns out to be to the young man of God who was sent to do a job for God and he took the bait. He believed the lies. He, he let down the word of God. And again, the warning, don't go there. Don't buy it. Don't take the bait. Get your Bible, read along, and we'll begin with 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse number 32, the end of that chapter. And it's not going to be on the screen. I want you to actually get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's the, the black books in front of you. Everybody get one. And I want you to be reading along because there's the entire chapter we're going to read. It's not going to be uh, first verse up um, uh, above myself. It's going to be uh, reading from the book. So 1 Kings, let's begin with chapter 12, the end of that chapter, and verse number 32. And Jeroboam, you remember we went over this last week, Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. You remember he was the one that was making things just like God's service, just like the original, just like the genuine. And he was just, he was doing, the, he, was, he was putting up idolatry and he was encouraging idolatry, but he, he, he made it similar. He made it similar to the genuine. It says, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered, and notice who this was. This was him, his idea. This is his program. God didn't order this. He offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priest of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel. The fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. If you notice, we, I kind of emphasize over and over again, this was his idea. It was not God's idea. It was not God's, God's thoughts. This, this is what he was doing. And so, that of course, this didn't go well with God. He set up this false worship of these idols and of course it was the downfall of all of Israel he responds uh, God responds by sending a messenger this messenger is a young prophet the Bible didn't give us the name there's there's uh, three or four characters in chapter 13 that we'll, we'll learn about but the young prophet is sent against Jeroboam to give God's uh, declaration of judgment and we'll read about that. But before we do, I want to introduce you to the drama in chapter 13 where you need to understand about this man that we're going to be seeing down in verse number, uh, uh, where is it, uh, 11 or so, um, the, the man that's called the old prophet. He was, the old prophet was what you would call a has-been. It seems as though God may have used him in the past for his service, according to what he says here and what we learn about him in this chapter. But uh, those were back in days gone by, back in the old prophet's glory days. Um, that were, those were days when this man 
uh, presumably walked by faith. He, he walked in the Lord's ways. He obeyed instructions. He was usable. as a man that was usable and used of the Lord in the past. Once one is used by God for anything, then you're forever ruined. Because it's, it's such a wonderful experience. And this man experienced those times where God used him, used him in big ways where, where it was just a wonderful, it was, it was awesome to, to have that kind of a relationship, to know God and to walk with him and have him speak to you or speak through you or do some things and use you as a, as a tool, as an instrument. Nothing else comes close to com- comparing being used by God, speaking for God, working in tandem with God. This old prophet, back in those days when he was younger, he was straight. He risked everything for the Lord. He was glad to spend for him. But somewhere along the line, he, he got comfortable. He got materialistic. He got afraid to lose the little respect or prosperity that he built for himself. And he no longer put the Lord first in all things. His honesty and speech didn't mean as much to him anymore as you find out in this chapter that he freely lies about things, whatever he wants to lie about. He got to holding back for the kingdom of heaven. He didn't risk it all as in earlier seasons of his life, and maybe he began to become worried about his retirement or his safety or, or maybe his meager life savings that he had. He changed from being worried about God's pleasure, God's reputation, to being worry, worried about his own comfort and his own well-being. God chose not to use a dirty vessel, and so the years of his passionless existence became a long stretch of lonely and silent years where God just was not around in his life. The times that he remembered being used of God was long, long ago. He only had memories of when God did use him. He would tell his family and his friends of the endeavors of being connected to God's plan and program in those glory days. I could see his boys asking him to reiterate the stories of the divine power and intervention that their dad experienced when he was in the center of miraculous endeavors. Tell us again, Pop. <coughs> Tell us again about how the, the time that maybe you rebuked the scoffer who fell dead that day or or the, the time when you, you preached to the town hall when God vindicated your words to the mayor or some such endeavors. Yes, those were the days. But since his loss of holiness, his self-will, his pursuit of materialism, God was nowhere to be found in his life. No more heavenly communication. No more work details from the king. No more divine presence and relaying instructions to be followed. No, no, silence from heaven for years. And why would God give more instruction to a man when the subject doesn't obey the commands? When he's followed lies and deceit, when he's left his pursuits of divine communication for materialistic things, materialistic clout. As a matter of fact, this story gives the commissioning of this young prophet that we find out in the beginning of chapter 13, who had to travel to Bethel to give God's word to this errant king where this old prophet lived. He was already there. God could have used him, but no. The has-been. He was the used-to-be servant, the worthless-to-heaven prophet who was discarded by God. See, God cast him away. He was a shadow of the man that he used to be. Now, an insignificant, trivial, irrelevant 
small man. He wanted so bad to reclaim some of the thrill of serving God, but he was the one who chose that pathway away from God. It wasn't God's fault. He had nobody to blame but himself. Now let's read the chapter beginning at the, at the beginning, read through the entire chapter, 1 Kings chapter 13. And behold, there came a man of God, this is the young prophet, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Remember, this was his own altar. Listen, if it was genuine, the king would not be allowed to go near that thing. It was the priest's job to offer sacrifice. But here, this, this king is bold. It's, there's no God involved. There's no, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. He can go ahead and do what he wants to do. He's calling the shots, and he's telling God how that this will be accepted or not. And so he's going up to his own altar, and he's offering, the Bible says, he, he's uh, 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 stood by the altar to burn incense. Verse 2. And, and this young prophet, he cried against the altar... In the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, <coughs> thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. Upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. You're not going to be taking bullocks or lambs or sheep and, and burning it on these altars. No, no. It's going to be destroyed, and, and men's bones of all of this pomp and circumstance, God's going to judge. and They'll be burned on these altars. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent. That means broken, torn apart. The altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. Goodness. And it came to pass when... King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him! Guards, get him! He wasn't going to put up with this stuff, not in his court, not in the place where, where he's built up to, to uh, uh, do this religious uh, pomp and circumstance. Lay hold on him! And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it again to himself. God just, God wasn't putting up with any of that junk. I mean, immediately, he stood up for this young man, this, this young prophet. said, no, no, this is my man. These are my words. You're not going to mess around with me, God says. And, and that finger that he pointed to this man just kind of shriveled, and he couldn't even bring it to himself any longer. And look at what the Bible says in verse 5. The altar also was rent. And the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. I don't know what that was like. I don't know how it happened. But there, there must have been some kind of a dramatic showing of God's vindication, of God's judgment. Here the altar's torn apart. It's broken right in front of everybody. <clears throat> and the king answered and said unto the man of God, Oh no, now he's, now he's shaking. Now he's scared. He didn't know what's going on, that his, his hand is deformed. He doesn't know maybe God's going to continue and just destroy his entire body. And so here he changes his demeanor. And he speaks to this man in, in a quite a, a different tone. 
man of God, entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored him again and became as it was before. Talk about spectacular. Verse 7, And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. Does this sound, does this sound dangerous here? Does this sound uh, a sinister? I mean, if, if this man were to repent of his sins and, and say, No, God's right. What am I doing? And then change everything and, and get on God's side. That would be something. But that didn't happen. He's all of a sudden, he's, he's after this man. He wants to influence him somehow by some kind of a bribe, a reward, and to influence this man to, to call off the dogs, if you will. I'll give thee a reward. Verse 8, and the man of God said unto the king, if thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place, for, and this is our text, this is what God said to him, for so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. I think that was clear, don't you? I think that was precise. So he went another way and returned not by the way he came to Bethel. He's, he's certainly obeying God. Now, verse 11. Enter the old prophet. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told to their father. Dad, you should have seen it. It was spectacular. Here was this young prophet. He came and he, and he, and he cried against the altar. And listen, God vindicated him. God stood behind his own word. And the altar was, was destroyed right before everybody. The king who tried to, to uh, 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 apprehend him, he, his hand shriveled. And, and then he changed his, his uh, 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 tone. And, and he begged for mercy. And, and he prayed for the, the, the king. And God restored his hand. Dad, you should have been there. You should have seen this. Wow. Their father, verse 12, said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. He said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on. Were, were, the, were the, the, the instructions that God gave to this young prophet, were they not clear? What God told this guy? You know, you're not to eat bread in that. In that. You, give, you deliver your message and you hightail it out of there. Don't even come back the same way you came. He says, come home and eat bread. With, and, and, eat, and eat bread in verse 16. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, 
<laughs> hey, hey, calm down. Listen, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. He, li he lied. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why would this old pro listen? He didn't. He didn't care for this guy. He didn't. He didn't. You know, care for God's word or, or fidelity of, of the, the the word of God. No, no. He he just he missed being in the, the the limelight in the middle of things, and and God was nowhere around, and he he wanted to be close. He wanted to get right in the center of this thing again. So asked him to come home with him. But he lied and said, yeah, God told me. No, no, God changed his mind. He told me to go get him and, and go back with him. But he lied unto him. Verse 19. So he, the young prophet, he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drink water. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, forasmuch as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread, and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread, and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. Goodness. Can you, can you imagine this? Or here this, this, this old prophet was kind of overtaken by God at this point and said, okay, I'm going to use you for a message to this guy who just disobeyed me. The Lord said this and the Lord said that. Wow. And it came to pass, verse 23, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone... A lion met him by the way and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion st standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. And he spake to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God laid it upon the ass and brought, brought it back. The old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his, car his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. You know, there is one place on earth I would not want to be is in that funeral. Here in this hypocrite garbage of a man with this false... Oh, look at what happened. My brother, and all, he was the reason for this, but nonetheless, verse 31. 
And it came to pass, after he had buried him, he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the house of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. And the story is not complete without these last two verses. So let's take a look at it. You know what? Let's, let's not. Let's, let's wait, okay? When we get to that point, that's the end of the message, all right? <laughs> so you'll know when we're, we're you know, wrapping things up, okay? So that, all of that for introduction, and that's the entire hour. So, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> let's, let's see if we can wrap things up, just a, just a few things that we can apply the truth. Let's look at this dangerous detour that this young prophet took. First of all, you see the direction, direction that God gave him. That's very clear. Instructions, you remember in 1 Kings 13, 1, and behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord. Uh, in verse 9, it says, for so it was charged me by the word of the Lord. Anyway, God told him exactly what to do. God gave him specific precise instructions they were as clear as instructions as they come he gave God's words God's warnings and he received God's instructions I mean it was very very clear you know that's one thing that nobody can ever accuse God of ambiguity God doesn't he doesn't you know talk like politicians or lawyers you know he's very clear and he and he lays it out some people are purposely ambigu- ambiguous because they, they don't want to articulate any kind of a position. They waffle by nature. The politicians, I mean, boy, we're in a season from now until next September uh, or November. Not this, but, you know, we got a whole year of this where politicians are going to be saying whatever. And you know what? Let's find out where the wind is blowing and what, where I'm going to stand. They, they, they're here and they're there. And then you ask them about stuff, and they won't even tell you because they don't want you to, to bring it up later and say, well, you said. And so they're ambiguous. Or many times you see preachers like that. Movements that don't want to articulate where they stand. Believers who have no backbone. And they don't want to make it clear. Folks, there's so many... It's frustrating. It's frustrating to see what's out there in the community where preachers, supposed to be preachers of the Word of God and, and, and solid, straight questions come and they skirt them and they don't want to uh, uh, give the truth. But God is clear. God doesn't speak like that. A series on alcohol that we're going through in the, in the evenings. Uh, tonight is uh, uh, lesson number four. The reason why that, that kind of a series is so rare and strange, and, and you don't hear this anywhere else, is because believers just don't want to share the attitude that God articulates concerning alcohol. Divine warning and condemnation is clear. If there's one thing that's, that's absolutely clear is what God thinks about alcohol. But you know what? You don't want to uh, uh, ask believers nowadays in a popular society because they don't want to say that. They don't want to uh, land where God lands when the Bible says, Habakkuk 2.15, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, and putteth his bottle to him. 
and makes him drunken also that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Proverbs 21, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Isaiah 5, 22, woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, men of strength to mingle strong drink. Proverbs 23, 20, be not among wine bebbers, the Bible says. Proverbs 23, 29, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions? As it goes on to verse 30, they that tarry long at the wine. Hey, listen, it's a curse, and God lays it out very clear. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Sober, folks, not tipsy, not buzz, sober. Folks, I mean, God is clear when, he's, when he lays these, but people don't want to say that. They would, they would kind of rather just kind of, you know, tickle ears or, or, or be within uh, 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 an unclear position. I, I think that's pretty clear. You know what? Wherever the Bible teaches, whether it's upon morality or doctrine, if the, if the Bible says anything about pride, it's very clear. You can't get around it. It's like right there. That's the way that God speaks. He's not am, am, ambiguous. God's instructions are always clear. They're precise. They're understandable. They're simple. This young prophet who got and delivered God's message had clear instructions. He was given clear directions. No wondering about it. No fuzziness in what God said of what was right and what was wrong. <clears throat> hey, folks, that's the way that God speaks. Unless you repent, Jesus said, you'll all likewise perish. You better turn or you will burn. I mean, that's clear. Do you need a college degree to understand that? And you'll burn forever. Listen, when the Bible speaks of, of clarity and the directions that he, that he gives, I mean, they're very clear. Let's, number two, really quickly, the duty that this young prophet had. The young guy did what he was told at the first. You know, he just followed the directions to the T. He didn't accept anything. He didn't stay there. He didn't eat. Uh, he did what he was told. And what excitement, what power and fireworks. He really paid attention to the divine detail that he was given at first. Uh, verse number 8 says, The man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. I, I think he understood. And I think... Where in the world did this guy go wrong? Well, later he dropped God's instructions. Don't do that. Hey, don't forsake the instruction of the word of God. Don't let his word fall in your life. Don't embrace that lie. Know that all men are liars, but God cannot lie. He does not lie. Trust what he says. Trust God. Don't trust people. And take a look at the defiled desire of this old prophet. What a scuzz. What a liar. What a deceiver. A hypocrite. A washed up has been. He lost it. And, and, and he wanted to rub shoulders with somebody that was currently in the ring. He wanted that more than he wanted to see God's will accomplished for the nation. He derailed Jeroboam. The destruction of idolatry in this young prophet. He wasn't on God's side at all. This old prophet hypocrite was not God's servant. He was not serving God. And neither are you if you, you're living a defiled, washed up Christianity. Hypocrisy. You're not on God's side. Don't give me that stuff, oh yeah, I love Jesus, when your life does not show it. And you know what? People around you see that. 
Hypocrite. You're just as much contrary to God and his program as this old prophet was to God's business at that place. Your fleshly eyes and mind and heart are, are just as destructive to the kingdom of God. That loved one is never going to see Jesus because you're in the way. Sorry to say that. Isn't that awful? That, that's, that, that's terrible. That's awful to say. I've seen that time and time and time again where people are concerned about their loved ones and they'll never find Christ because of that kind of, a, of an example. This, this old prophet had a desire, but it was defiled. He just wanted to be in the excitement, that's all. Now, look at the deception in verse number 18. Is what he said to that young man. We just read it. I am a prophet also as thou art, and an angel spake by me. But he lied. Remember, he lied. Folks, deception is everywhere with good and bad faces, good and bad intentions, good and bad people used by the devil. But deception is every. We've got to understand that, folks. We live in a world that is contrary to the word of God. Satan says, yea, hath God said. Are you sure about what God said here? You, you, you know, you, I doesn't sound like you're really sure about this. And, you know, trying to get you off of the clear instructions. And you know what? Let me ask you something. Who are you believing today? You're listening to some old sinner who's leading you straight to hell? Whether it be a family, a friend, or teacher, or scholar, or expert, or even a soulmate. Could he be an old prophet like this guy? Listen, if anybody goes contrary to God, anybody goes contrary to God, run. Get away from them. Don't listen. Don't pay attention. When God says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have not I declared it? Ye are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Isaiah 44, 8. That's what God says. In, in describing and in, in revealing who he is to the world, to us, to, to, he's the only God. There's only one God, and that's him. There's no other gods around him, and, and he doesn't even know of any. You know, there, he's it. Oh, oh, but you know what? Some will come by and say, um, you know, he's just one God among many gods. Our Jehovah God is, is uh, uh, along with a whole plethora of gods. I don't care if it's Brigham Young or Joseph Smith. Run! Get away from that. It's what man says, not what God said. God's clear, isn't he? He's very clear. When God says, in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one in between. Here's God, here's us. There's only one go between, one person that you access to get to God. And it's not Mary, and it's not the saints, and you don't pray to this and pray to that. No, there's only one. Now, some priest will come along and tell you, now listen, what you need to do, you know, you, you don't come to God directly, you get his filter, so you go to his mom, Mary, and she'll bring the request. Run! That's false, that's a lie! It's got not clear. Hey, how about that? There's one God, and one mediator, not two, not ten, one mediator in between, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. They're lying. When God says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved, through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. And then somebody's going to come along and tell you, well, you got to be good to go to heaven. Wait, was God not clear? 
Was, did, did, did God make, is he ambiguous? When he says, no, no, works don't work. Works will not bring you to heaven. Trying to be good is not, you can't be, be good so that you can go, have, go to heaven. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Nobody can boast about that. But a preacher or a friend or your mama tells you that you got to be good or whatever. Run! Believe God! Remember, every man is a liar. God does not lie. When Jesus said that you must be born again or you're not going to make heaven, but some friend or confidant tells you otherwise. It's a friend of mine in that situation. I love the guy. I love him. And I'm always telling people what Jesus said, John 3, 3. You must be born again. You're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. You've got to be born. You must be born again. And in a personal conversation, and I'm asking the guy, hey, listen, what about what Jesus said? Is what he says. You know what? My good friend, this doctor so-and-so, a religious scholar, says, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Wait a minute. If God says something and it's clear and somebody else says something that's different, run! Get away from that. That's, that's false. You can't believe that. Don't be a fool. Listen to God. The young prophet should have just hung on to God's word. It was clear, clear instructions, but he was deceived. And then look at the last thing, destruction. And that's what happened. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 20. And it came to pass that they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet. We just read that story. What a rebuke. What a rebuke to the young prophet. God spoke to him through the washed up hypocrite, signifying that there were two failures at that table. Here's this young prophet. He's sitting there. And you know what? Big stamp right over, right over his forehead. Fail. Fail. You've, you messed up. You, 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 were, you started out right. You started out good. Hanging on to God's word. And then you gave it up. And then you, you, you believed something else. You didn't, you didn't hang on to what I said. Listen, you got, you got to hang on to what I say God says. I don't ever, I don't ever want to hear that. I want to hear... The words, well done, a good and faithful servant. You paid attention to my word and you hung on to it. That's what I want to hear. Well done. But folks, this wasn't just the young prophet's destruction. Yeah, he was torn by the lion. He was killed at, shortly after that. The whole nation stopped listening to God. Now take a look at verse number 33. <clears throat> Thus, we're at the close of the service. 1 Kings 13, 33. After this thing. After what thing? Well, after, you know, the, the wonderful performance, so the, the clear direction, the, the instructions of God, the judgment of God that was given upon the nation and upon this king. I mean, everything went flawlessly. And then the guy messes up. And then everybody knows. Remember everybody in the town? Oh, is that the young prophet? Is that the man of God out of Judah that came to, to speak to, to the altar and speak to the king and, and give the judgment? Yes, it was. Look, he's dead. He's gone. He didn't pay attention. He failed. Hey, he failed. Don't worry about it. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places, whosoever would, he consecrated him and became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became sin 
under the house of Jeroboam. Goodness. The whole nation, the entire nation. Hey, listen, friend. There's a whole lot of people depending on your fidelity to the word of God. Whether they be loved ones or family or friends or coworkers, they're looking at you. And they're looking at whether or not you're going to hang on to God's word or you're going to fail. Consequences. Huge. Hold, hold fast. Hold fast the word of God. Don't let it go. Don't buy the lie. Heed God's instruction. Don't drop it. Believer, let's hang on. Let's not, let's not fail where this young prophet failed. Okay? Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment.